Okay, well, once again, uh, welcome to part two of this, this two-part series. Uh, so we're doing a, a series over Easter on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So as you can tell, we didn't spend too much time coming up with, uh, with ideas for this series. It's pretty self-explanatory and, and it's what you'd expect for us to, um, to preach on. But it's not just important to preach on because it's Easter. This is actually the, the entire basis for our faith. This is the whole reason why we gather together every single week. This is, this is what we as, as a church want to focus on. And, you know, we'll be going through different books of the Bible, different passages, but, you know, the whole Bible, all of God's history revolves around the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, but, but I actually want to ask an important question, which is, is why? Why did Jesus have to rise again from the dead? What well, wasn't it enough what we learned on Friday that he died for our sins, you know, so, so that we can be forgiven? Can, can that actually just be the end of the story and then we get saved and, and that's it? Obviously, you're not really buying into that so far because you already, you already know the story. Uh, you know, even, even non-Christians know the basic Easter message that he died and rose again. So it kind of sounds just a bit wrong to say he died and that was, that was the end of the story. But, but I think in reality, the way that we actually preach the gospel, uh, what we believe, what we praise God for, the way that we talk about the Christian life, the, the resurrection is sometimes actually treated like uh, like an afterthought, like a, an, an unnecessary addition tacked on to the end of the gospel message, maybe like a, a happy ending to an otherwise sad story. And so if I were to ask you what the gospel is, you know, many of us would focus on Jesus dying for our sins, you know, to take our punishment, which, which again is, is true, but maybe not put so much focus on, on his uh, defeating death to give us eternal life. And even I, I think about my own evangelistic encounters, I'll, I'll have the opportunity that, you know, if someone says, what, 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 do you, what do you believe? What do you actually even talk about on a Sunday every week? You know, I, I would focus on, you know, the, the a good world that's been marred by sin. We need forgiveness and Jesus is the one that provides that forgiveness by dying for our sins. And then you sort of go, oh, oh and, and he rose again at the end. It's sort of this quick thing that you have to remember to, to include. And I think the... The same can be said of our, our Christian life. What's the Christian life all about? Well, it's about being forgiven by God because he died for us. But we don't always talk about being saved from our sinful life now. It's not about just being saved from the punishment of sin. It's about being saved from the power of sin in our lives through his resurrection. So I'm sort of already getting ahead of myself and, and giving away some of my points. But, but the point is that... If the resurrection doesn't add anything to the gospel that you believe in, then it's a very shallow understanding of the gospel. And I, and I say that as someone I know I've been guilty of that as well. So because of that, I, I, I want to take a, a brief uh, survey of the New Testament, sort of going a bit all over the place, uh, but to look at the great things that Jesus has accomplished through his resurrection. We won't just see it as a, an an unnecessary addition tacked on to the end of the gospel. We'll see just what Jesus has actually accomplished for you and for me because of his resurrection. So firstly, uh, let, let me just quickly recap uh, what I spoke about on Friday. So again, this is the, uh, the two sides, the death and life. And so on Friday, uh, I spoke about the biblical worldview and, and coming to an understanding as to why the world is so messed up, so full of death and, and suffering. And, and when, we, when we have a Christian worldview, when we, when we read right from the start of the book of Genesis, uh, we learn 
that God actually created a world that was originally good, that, that death, you know, you, you heard the phrase death is a natural part of life, but we learned that death isn't actually a part of God's original good creation. We were made to live in the presence of God forever in perfect relationship with him and, and worshipping him until Genesis 3. It goes wrong pretty quickly. Sin enters the world and it not only provides an explanation as to why there's uh, so much sin and, and evil in the world, but it also explains why death exists. And so um, Paul says that in, in Romans 5.12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there's a, de- a direct correlation between death and sin. Rebellion against the God who gives us life obviously results in, in death. Uh, and then I explained, the, which I won't go into detail with them, but uh, the three types of, of death that we face, spiritual death, that we, we have no spiritual life. We're not, um, our natural inc- inclination isn't to worship God and to serve him. Instead, our natural inclination is to serve ourselves rather than others and serve others rather than God. And that we don't actually have the ability to save or change ourselves. And this eventually leads to physical death, which, uh, as John prayed before, all of us will, will face. And then that leads to eternal death. Judgment actually extends uh, beyond the grave when we're separated from God for all eternity. But the Bible isn't a record of human failure. It it is that, but it's actually really all about God's plan to save humanity, to restore our broken relationship with him. And so God's plan of salvation, the whole thing to, to fix what was broken in Genesis 3, culminates in Jesus' death and his resurrection. And that's what we celebrated on Good Friday, but I think it's still important to recognize, even on the Sunday, that the death of Christ was the, the, the only way in which he could save us, the, the only way in which God could forgive a sinful people. So we, we often think of God as, as loving and merciful, and he is, but we sometimes forget his justice as well. And so the way to reconcile all those things is God providing a substitute, someone to die in our place, so that we can be forgiven. And so that, that's the, the only way this can work. The only way I can ask God to be merciful to me is if someone can take care of my sins. And so when Jesus died on that cross, he was dying in your place. He was bearing our sins and he was being punished for our sins so that we don't have to. That's the only way that we don't have to face the judgment to come. And that, that's why we worship God. That's why we celebrate Easter. And I mentioned that on Friday, that that celebrating Easter, it makes sense, the resurrection part, but celebrating someone dying, our Saviour dying, seems really weird until we understand exactly what he was accomplishing, that he was demonstrating his love toward us, that he was making a way for us to be forgiven. And so we don't want to lose sight or or overemphasize one over the other or pit them against each other, that we need to you know, only focus on Jesus' death or only focus on the resurrection. We, we really need... Uh, we really need both. And so I'll, I'll just give, give one example, um, looking at, at there's different views of the atonement of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And, and one of them uh, that, that preachers of views have said is that Christ died to be a good example for us of, of showing forgiveness in, in the midst of severe persecution. And that's true. Jesus does provide us with an example of how to show forgiveness. 
you know, even the people that were crucifying him. But when people preach, that's all he did. That that's the only reason why he died was to be a good example, and then he rose again from the dead. It's it's an incomplete message. But but I think our our risk is is not of doing that. We we uh, will be focusing on and, and preaching uh, on on Christ dying in our place as our substitute. But we don't want to swing to the other extreme and lose sight of the resurrection of what what he actually accomplished. We need to understand both. And so that's why I want to look at uh, five reasons why Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> and so the, the first reason, and the, these aren't in some special biblical order, these are just uh, things that you gather as you look through the Gospels and through uh, the New Testament epistles, uh, things that we learn about Jesus and, and learn about what he's actually accomplished for us. And so the first thing is, is to verify his identity. How many of you have heard the phrase, Jesus was a good moral teacher, he was a good religious guy, and nothing more? That, that was it. That's all, all he was. To, to me, that makes absolutely no sense when you read the Gospels. Jesus made some pretty bold claims about himself. He, he claimed to be the Son of God, and in fact, God himself come in the flesh. He claimed to be able to forgive sins, to be the saviour and the judge of the world, so they're not the claims of a, of a nice and good moral man or a good religious teacher. I uh, like how C.S. Lewis puts it. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is Lord. They're, they're your only options to actually make those type of claims. It, you know, he either is who he says he is or is lying about it. So, so how do we actually know that, though? I mean, the, the, C.S. Lewis is right in pointing out that he's a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, but, but we worship him as Lord, so... How do we know? How do we know that he is who he says he is? Well, I think the, the major event that verifies that is the resurrection. <clears throat> and so he actually made predictions about his own resurrection. <clears throat> so in uh, John's gospel, the Jews asked for a sign to authenticate his claims about himself. And even, even before he had died, he actually pointed towards his death and resurrection, saying, destroy this, uh, this temple and in three days... I will raise it up. Uh, and in, in John 10, after he calls himself the good shepherd who, who will lay his life down for the sheep, he says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority uh, to take it up again. So, actually, I'll just grab out the Bible today. It's one of those things where you can read through the scriptures and then something can stand out. You've, you've read the passage over and over before, even this week, and yet you see something, something new. Now, what was the first Bible reading? It was Matthew 28. So when, the, uh, when they come to the tomb, he sa uh, the, the angel says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. And that, the, as he said, stuck out to me for, yeah, for the first time. He, he, he made his death and resurrection clear even back in his ministry to the point in which uh, the, the angel's response was, well, you should have known that this would happen. He, he said it would happen, but it just wasn't clear to them until they actually saw him. So, so his resurrection not only demonstrates that his predictions were accurate uh, and, and that he, he spoke and, and prophesied the truth, um, 
But the fact that he even had the power to do it, he's saying, I'm the one that has the authority to lay down my life and I'm the one that has the authority to take it up again. It, it wasn't the, the, uh, the Roman authorities and centurions that had the power or were in charge. It was, it was Jesus, God in the flesh, that had the power to, to die for our sins and to, to rise again. And so that's why we place our trust in him. That's what we're called to do because he's proven himself to be trustworthy. And if you're wondering, but how can we trust the Bibles? How can we trust the Gospels, which make the claims that he rose again from the dead? Come and talk to me afterwards because I can give an entire sermon on all the historical evidence and things like that. But I, I won't go into that now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so let's uh, move on to the, the second reason uh, that Jesus rose from the dead was, was to demonstrate the sufficiency of his death on the cross, his atoning death. And because that's the second major claim of Christ. Not only did he claim to be the Son of God, but that he's the Savior of the world, that he has the power to forgive sins. Uh, that's another pretty big claim to try and back up. So it asks, how do we know that Jesus really died for our sins? So I, we've got the eyewitness accounts of the Gospels, and these eyewitnesses could see the crucifixion. They could see Jesus. They could see the nails and the wood uh, of the cross. They could see the Roman centurion putting a spear in his side, so they definitely saw him die. But no one could actually physically see our sins being laid upon him. None of the eyewitnesses recorded that a group of people in Middleton, their sins were laid upon Jesus when they saw him dying. They couldn't see God's wrath being poured out upon him. So how do we know that that actually happened? And that's a big, big question for Christians that are, that are struggling with the weight of their own guilt. And you think, but how can I possibly be forgiven? Has, has it really all been taken care of? But instead of looking to ourselves, we actually look to the resurrection. That is God's proof that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient. It was enough to pay for our sins. When Jesus cried out, it is finished as he was dying. But we know that that statement is true because God raised him from the dead. And we, we need the resurrection in order to make sense of the atonement, in order for it to be true. So Paul said, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins because we would just be following a dead saviour who wasn't who he claimed to be. We have no assurance that our sins have been paid for. But since he has been raised, then we can be confident that we've been justified and, and declared declared righteous before God. And so that's the uh, the other verse there in Romans 4, uh, 24 and 25, says that God raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so that's actually one of the few verses in the New Testament that uh, connects not Jesus' death with our justification, but the resurrection with our justification. Uh, so they call that God's seal of approval on the atoning uh, on the atoning work of the completed and finished work on the cross. All right, and so the 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 third reason uh, Jesus rose from the dead was to change us, to empower us to walk in newness of life. So I mentioned before on on Friday that that we were spiritually dead, not able to save ourselves, unable to change ourselves. So when, when we actually sin, we're, we're slaves to sin. Uh, and if, if you don't, don't believe me, just, just try and live perfectly according to God's law 
just for a day. It's it's absolutely impossible. And when, when we struggle with sin, it's it's this feeling of of helplessness. And we repent and we turn, and then we go straight back to it again. And that was that was my response to, to my own sin when God began convicting me before I had become a Christian. My response to, to the conviction, which I believe was the Holy Spirit at the time drawing me, my response was, well, I just need to try even harder. And then I would sin again. I go, well, then I'm, I'm obviously not trying hard enough. I'll try even harder than that. And it just won't work. We just cannot do it. But Jesus didn't just come to save us from the punishment of sin. He came to save us from the enslaving power of sin in our lives. And so Paul actually connects this with the resurrection. In Romans 6.4, it says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So this verse is talking about being united to Christ. When Christ died by taking the punishment for our sins, he was dealing with our old selves, our, our old life, our old sinful way of life was being put to death on the cross. And then when he rose again, we too are raised to a new and different life. We become an entirely new person, a new creature, a new creation. But what do I mean by that? How is that actually connected to the resurrection, being able to have a new life in which we, we no longer live like we used to? So Romans 8, uh, 11 makes this connection between the resurrection and our, our new life. It says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Uh, now, I think it's a bit, bit clear if you read the, the passage as a whole, but, but basically what Paul is getting at is the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can empower you to change. So if you actually feel stuck, if you feel like the, your sanctification is going nowhere, you're, you're unable to change, don't look to yourself because it won't work. Look to the God who can raise Jesus from the dead. See, if, if he has the power to raise a man from the dead, then he has the power to change your life and, and make you more like Christ. And so the next reason that Jesus rose from the dead was to defeat death and to give us eternal life. So that was sort of the big focus on Friday was how our sin results in us facing death, spiritual, physical, and eternal death. And the answer is that Jesus saves us from it all. Jesus gives us life when we couldn't do anything to save ourselves. But we've just talked about Jesus saving us from our spiritual state, our slavery to sin. But does he, does he actually save us from physical death? I mean, we as Christians, are, we're, we're still going to die, aren't we? So physical death is still this thing that looms over us, an inevitable consequence of sin, even though we've been forgiven of our sins. So how do we actually get around that? Well, we're not actually promised that we'll never physically die. So in, in uh, John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. There's sort of this strange tension there. So we'll never die, even though, even though we'll die physically, 
we will still actually have life. So how does that actually work? Well, through Christ, we don't actually need to fear death because he's defeated it. He's conquered the grave. He's removed the power of the grave over us. And how did he do that? By by rising from the dead in order that we might rise too. So instead of facing judgment in eternity, we will actually rise just like Christ did and live with him for eternity. See, often people will say, you can't possibly know what happens after you die. You've heard that phrase plenty of times before. You know, you, you, you might make all these claims about the Bible, about Christianity, but, but no one can know what happens after you die. I think we can if God reveals it to us. We can't figure it out ourselves, but that doesn't mean that God can't show us what happens. And so we can be confident of what happens to us. We can be confident that we will actually be raised from the dead, that we will be raised to live in the new heavens and the new earth because of Christ's death and resurrection. So in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So that's the massive hope that we have in Jesus. Not not just a world with no more death and suffering, as, as much as it will be amazing to escape that, but more importantly, a world, a new earth, where we can be with our Creator for eternity. Eden has been, will be restored, and we can do what we were created to do, which is worship Him. And so the fifth and final reason, uh, and I mean of the list in my sermon, not it's not an exhaustive list, so I'm sure you'll find plenty of more uh, reasons as you go through the New Testament. Uh, but, but my fifth reason why Jesus rose from the dead was to give assurance of the final judgment and serve as a warning. So again, just just in the same way people will claim you can't know that there's a heaven, they'll say you, you can't know that there's a judgment day. You can't possibly know what happens after you die. But we can be confident that there is judgment. And again, it's because of his resurrection. So look at, uh, this was Paul preaching in Athens in Acts 17, uh, verse 30 and 31. Uh, Paul says, God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So how do we know that Jesus is seated on the throne? How do we know that he's returning? How do we know that he's returning to judge the world? Because he's not dead in a hole in the ground in Jerusalem, but because he's been raised from the dead. So we know that he's returning to judge the world. And he's actually giving us time to repent. So although the resurrection is a reason for celebration for Christians, if you haven't turned to Jesus, if you don't know him as your saviour, then the resurrection actually serves as a warning that, that, there is, um, that there is judgment to come, but it's also a massive blessing that God gives us time to repent. And so if you haven't trusted him, ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you because he will. He's, he's already proven himself to be trustworthy. And so just to, to recap, because I know there was a, a fair bit in there, 
but we can know because of the resurrection, we can know that he is who he says he is. All of the bold claims that we read in the gospel, we can know that he's trustworthy. We can know that he's God in the flesh come to save us. We can know that he's the savior of the world. We can know that he died on the cross for our sins. Every sin was paid for because he's been raised from the dead. And you can be confident that he can save you, not not just from the punishment of sin, but for the, the, the power of sin, the things that you're struggling with at the moment. You can be confident that he has the power to change you because he has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. You don't just uh, have to be confident in a new life here and now, but you can be confident in staking your eternity on this. You can be saved from death and live with him for eternity. And we can know this for certain because he is alive today. And for those of us who are believers, we we can testify to that, that Jesus is still alive, still working in the world today, uh, still growing uh, growing us and, and shaping us and changing us and giving us opportunities to, to take this gospel. And God is, is still saving people today through this gospel message. And that's why we should be confident in our faith. No, know right now that we serve a risen Savior. One that can, can transform us, can make us more like Him. And I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal of our lives now that, that, that we've been saved, everything revolves around that, becoming more like Jesus and taking this powerful message to the ends of the earth. Even all the way here in, in, in Minleton and York Peninsula, we can take that powerful message. So let's just end, end there and end in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you are a powerful God that has power over the grave. Thank you for sending your Son into the world, not only to die for us, to to pay for our sins, but to be raised from the dead. We thank you that we don't have to fear death anymore, that we can be confident that we will be raised just like he was. We thank you for your amazing work in us to change us and transform us. Lord, may we never get used to that. Lord, may we continually be in awe of what you've done for us. Lord, may we not just remember it on Sundays or on Easter Sunday, but may we remember it every day not only for our own sake, but also for, for those around us, that we would take this good news and, and share it with them so that they might be saved. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your salvation. Amen.